0: You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Leslie and Lindsay. And we have Ashlyn with us today. Um, Hi, everyone. (laughs) I've actually known Ashlyn since second grade. This is true. And we're going to save the math on that one, but it's a long time.
2: (laughs) 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 Pre-mommy. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Um, Ashlyn, how many kids do you have? So I have four kids. Um, My oldest is 13. Then I have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and then a 4-year-old. Wow. One boy, three girls, and in that order, boy, girl, girl, girl. That's awesome. So yeah. And did you have postpartum with any of them? So, my postpartum uh, gradually got worse, um, which can happen, and they say tends to happen more often than not. If you get it, you tend to, you know, have it with your other kids after that, is what I've heard and what my doctor told me. Um, with my son, so he's 13, so this is 13 years ago, um, I had him, and it was a, it, it was a, crazy delivery in the fact that, you know, epidural didn't work. Like we can go into all of that, but it was more, it was as traumatic as childbirth is portrayed in the movies, you know, where the wife, yeah. where the woman is just screaming, where my other ones weren't like that, you know, cause the epidural took and everything. So but this is your first experience. This was my first yeah. experience. Yes. And, and you're so having a
0: movie <laughs> situation. It was a movie thing.
2: I was like, this is just how it is in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with him, um, you know, I, I was very bluesy Um, but the thing that changed in me was I got super fixated on germs and like right away, um, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And it was so OCD. I couldn't think about anything besides germs. It dictated where I went, how many people would be there. Like it was all encompassing, um, this fixation with germs. And granted, I mean, growing up, who likes to be sick? I mean, obviously, if you know people are sick, you're like, okay, stay away. You shun them. Yeah. Um, but this was so much more. This was debilitating. Because all I could think about was germs and keeping my son healthy. And so I wouldn't let people hold him. Um, like I said, I wouldn't go to certain places. It, it just, this fear of germs completely took over my life. Completely. And did anybody know about that? Like, did you Um, talk to your husband or your doctor Yes, and they just tried to calm me down. You know, I don't think anyone, and I didn't really tell people how consumed my mind was Mm -hmm. with germs. I mean, it was all I thought about. And if anybody sneezed or coughed or even cleared their throat, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, we gotta get out of here. And it was a fight or flight. I mean, it was like, I grabbed my baby and we were gone. Um, to preface, uh, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder when I was 17. So I was actually put on medication when I was 17. So anxiety was something that I have dealt with, um, my whole life. Like when I was little, I would get night terrors, not just nightmares. Um, so it was, it was something that I've dealt with anxiety in general. Um, anyway, so back to after I had my son, it, It was just i couldn't think about anything but germs and if i'm being completely honest it doesn't debilitate me anymore but it's still very much it's still present Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that was the huge uh change in my mind whatever you want to call it that happened and that was after my first um then when i had my second so she was born two and a half years later that i want to say that was my best one i very much was bluesy um bluesy meaning baby blues yeah um i cried a lot i that um germ nervousness came back however the difference was uh whitney was born in july so uh, that time in utah you're not dealing with the it's not cold and flu season right Um, right Another thing that was huge was the fact that it stayed lighter later, and the light really helped me. And I vowed, like, if I have a choice, I will never have another winter baby because that just everything was dark. Because it was cold and flu season, I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't even go for a walk. And I remember with Whitney, her being born July 1st, um, I was having those same. Uh, sad feelings and you know the OCD about germs but it was I could go for a walk and it was light so I was really getting that vitamin D in and I really think that's why hers even though it was very apparent that I was having postpartum symptoms um, it didn't manifest in as great of a way as it did with my first.
1: And did you were you on medication after your first yes have so, you been diagnosed with postpartum at all or knew what
2: it was before you even had um it? no so i was not diagnosed with postpartum um so i was put on zoloft when i was 17 and uh you know they like you or they uh recommend that you get off medication right when you find yeah. out you're pregnant yep but uh, my doctors said you know what because i al- i also uh suffer from panic attacks and so my doctors said zoloft is kind of the best medication if you need to be on medication to be on when you're pregnant and they said that what my mind might do getting off the medication they were willing yeah. to kind of be like you know what no you're gonna stay on it so i've so during this whole time i'm on zoloft oh wow so yeah never got off zoloft um so yes as far as just postpartum um, depression anxiety it was definitely there but it was better. And I really think a lot of that was circumstantial. Yeah. The time of year, the light, all of that really um, helped me in that, in that situation. Then we have my seven year old. So she is about three and a half years younger than uh, Whitney. And she was born in April. And I remember being very like, okay, that'll be fine. We're coming out of cold and flu. Um, it's getting lighter. We've passed daylight savings. And hers was really bad, which shattered me because I thought that I had gotten under control, like what caused my problem? Oh, it was because it's dark or it's because it's cold and flu season. And so the fact that I had it and it was so much worse than Tyson or Whitney, and I thought that I had a cure, at yeah. least for mine, was shattering to me. Um, I So after her, it was just panic attacks. Um, I didn't want to take her anywhere I was so nervous that she was going to get hurt or sick Um, a a thing that surfaced uh, with my third was this feeling of being trapped and I had never really felt that before Um, so that was a new feeling and that was what crippled me at that after her was just this feeling of being trapped I'm nursing I you know yeah i might be able to go get in a bath i might be able to run to the store but ultimately i have a chain connected yeah and that was horrifying to me and my husband did his best to you know try and no you know get me not feeling like i was trapped but i was like babe there's no other i'm trapped Mm -hmm. right like you're being so nice and sweet, but the bottom line is I'm trapped. I can't go anywhere. I might be able to take a 15 minute bath, but I have to come back to this. Plus I had two other kids. I was working full time. Um, it was, it was really, really hard. And again, I was, was on my Zoloft during this time and I did go in at my six week and I broke down and, at my six-week appointment, they just kind of said, well, you know what? You're nursing. You're already on Zoloft, so good luck, ultimately. Because oh, it was kind of no. like, we've done all, you ca- all we can for you. You're already on medication, and if that's not helping... Why not switch the medication? Uh, because I was nursing. So that, oh, then again, sure. was that trapped feeling. Ugh. So then it was like, I need help, but because I've chosen to nurse, I'm limited in what I can do and like I said they were like Zoloft is the safest and since you're already on that good luck you know and they didn't recommend any type of therapy nope. or anything like nothing. that. nothing um and now had you thought about anything like that no because at the time I was just trying to survive right yeah and so I, I wasn't self-care wasn't it was just like you just gotta yeah. make it through every I just, day I gotta make and it keep through everybody this alive yep, yeah yeah Um, And that was seven years ago. So a lot, you know, we've come a long way since then. But yeah, basically it was just like, sorry, you're already on the medication. You'll get through it. And so how did you get through it? Um, You said that was your worst one. So did it get... To date. Okay. At that point. At that point, that was my worst one. Okay. Um, So how I got through it, it did help that summertime was there, but it was a good three, four months um, before I even felt... Like I could breathe. Mm. Like I constantly felt like my chest was being crushed. Mm. And then it was about nine months until I finally was like, okay, I can kind of, I'm not just faking that I'm okay anymore. Like I really am starting to feel a little bit better. Okay. Were you still nursing at that point? Yes. So I nursed all of my kids for 16 months. Wow. You are superwoman. <laughs> well, and it wasn't. It, there was so much, so much that went into it. Number one, we we're so poor, and so it was like this was quote unquote free. Yep. And number two, I I felt like I was so like I could have nursed everyone in the county. Like literally, I I had so much, and it was yeah. just cream. I mean, it was like, and so a part of me, and this is the guilt, is it was like, oh, I've been blessed with such rich milk. How could I not? Yeah, totally. You know, and so then it's the guilt of, well, of course I have to do this, which enhanced that I'm trapped. Right. Oh, man. Um, Because I just felt like if I stopped nursing, then I was being ungrateful.
0: Hmm.
2: And that's how I kind of played it in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Never really shared that with anyone. That was just my own personal, like, because I had heard so many women who my milk never came in and I did all these supplements and it never came in and my baby had dropped weight and they were starving. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, well, wow, I could literally feed everyone in here mm-hmm. and still have some. So how horrible am I if I made the choice to not? Mm. Can you imagine how many
1: women suffer with those feelings inside and don't tell anyone? Yeah. Like there's so much shame around nursing. It makes me crazy. Yeah.
2: And you hear more so the women which rightfully so of I didn't produce enough and so I felt Mm. so guilty and so you hear that all the time so me producing so much I never shared that with anyone because it was like oh my gosh they'll hate me yeah if I share with them like oh well you do want to hear my problem I make so much and it's all cream and (laughs) well you know like oh yeah I would have been hit with formula cans um (laughs) so yeah I never shared that with anyone but that was another like Oh my goodness, I'm trapped.
1: Yeah, feeling. How did you muster up the bravery to even try for another one after
2: that? So okay, so this is where <laughs> my story gets a little not a little, a lot more crazy. and a little bit more spiritual if it's okay, yeah uh, to share that. So McKinley was just barely a year old, so it was Mother's Day. And she she was born April 10th. Mother's Day was the second week in May, whatever Mm -hmm. day that ended up being. And I was sitting in my church congregation, and a woman walked in, and she was very pregnant, in that stage of like, oh, I'll pray for her pregnant, you know. Yeah. And I just kind of looked at her, didn't really think about anything, and thought, oh, she looks miserable, you know. Just kind of made a passing comment in my own mind, and I all of a sudden got this strong impression that I needed to have another one, and. I'm having this conversation in my mind of, yes, I'd like to have another one, but it's going to be a minute because as you recall, it wasn't until she was about nine months old before I was kind of like, okay, so this is only three months later. And wow. I'm thinking, I just got, m- yeah, myself I just, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm not ready to go down. Nope, that we're not path doing yet. that. <laughs> um, got this impression uh two different times very strong to the point that like I was in tears I called my husband and I was like I haven't even brought this up because uh, can you imagine him it's like we just got her feeling better and now she's like let's do it again
1: yeah
2: (laughs) um and so I called him at work because I was just in tears and I was like I haven't said anything to you but I know that we're supposed to have another one he was like okay well when you know when do you think we should start trying I was like Well, according to the feelings I'm having two weeks ago, like we got to get this going, you know? So, um, in my mind, I was thinking I'm going to get my IUD out and we're just going to be pregnant. Right. Yeah. And that was not the case. It was an entire year and this is not what we're focusing on, but it was entire, entire year of, I got an infection that they gave me, um, uh, antibiotic for it. Didn't clear it up. And so then I got it. Turned into pelvic inflammatory disease. <gasps> oh. And then all of a sudden, I didn't ovulate anymore. And so then they were going to put me on all these infertility pill or medication. And then it was, you have PCOS. And so it was just kind of like... Oh, my gosh. In that time frame, my whole world came crashing down uh, health-wise yeah. for me personally. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had just kind of come to terms. I knew that mentally, I was not... I... I could not do the fertility medication route I because they had told me, you know, this can play on your hormones. And I knew enough about myself to go, you know what? I can't go down that road. My mental health is already so on edge that we're just not even going to go down that. Um, of course, when I had kind of calmed down with all of that, I got pregnant the next month, right? Mm, of course. Of course. <laughs> so anyway, um, So now we're pregnant with my fourth. I was so grateful. But when we figured out the dates, I'm due in January. Oh, no. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like I, that was the, I did not want to do that. So I was super nervous, talked with my doctor. You know, I had a really hard time after my third. We really need to be watching this. Um, The pregnancy, her pregnancy, sick wise, was the best I'd ever had. I threw up the whole time, um, but it was... It was like my other kids, I was laying by the toilet and I'd get up, throw up, and then lay back down by the toilet. With this pregnancy, it was like I could be talking with you and then just be like, hold on a second. Went and threw up and then came back and kind of went on. Um, so SickWise was the wow. best one. <laughs> um, however, I had other physical things <laughs> that uh, just with pressure and things, um, it was harder physically to be pregnant with her. Um Okay, so she's born, and I was just elated. I was so euphoric. Um, She was 17 hours old. I was still in the hospital, and something like a light switch went off, and I jumped up out of my hospital bed and started running around my hospital room. Now, keep in mind, I had literally just had a baby, so you can imagine the mess I'm making (laughs) as I'm running around um, my hospital room. So my husband, um, you know, calls for the nurse. She comes in. She calls the doctor. They come in. I'm, I mean, I'm out of my mind. I'm, I'm done. Literally, like straight jacket, done. So they just uh, pump me full of Ambien and just kind of
1: like what were you saying me. when you were running around? Were you like um, crying or just
2: or? crying? I need to get out of here. Oh, okay, um, like a panic. It was oh, it was a complete panic attack. Uh, shouting. What have I done? Why did I do this again? Um, Because it was all of those feelings that happened with my third came back, but it was like tsunami tidal wave. Mm. I mean, literally as quick as turning on a light because I was fine. I was nursing her. I was just telling my husband how happy I was, and this was beautiful and wonderful, and um, then like a light switch, everything changed. So they... Gave me Ambien. Um, The next morning, they had a social worker come in and she kind of wanted to know my history as far as postpartum and things like that. So I updated her on that. Um, At this particular time, I was just sobbing and shaking. Mm. But I was, I could answer her questions. And it was the day that I was uh, supposed to go home and I was being released that day. It had been two days in the hospital. And the social worker came in and, you know, after listening to me and getting my history, she looked at my husband and said, uh, we need to admit her to the fifth floor, which at the hospital I was at is the mental health ward. Um, and he just, you know, nodded and said, okay. But then she turned to me and she said, did you hear what I just said? If you keep acting like this, we're gonna put oh you on the fifth God. floor. Gosh. Because you have a choice. Yeah, and I said, well, what's the fifth floor? And she said, it's the mental health unit, and they're going to take your baby away, and you won't be able to see your baby.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> so, well, that makes you want to get help. So I immediately mustered up all the energy and strength I had and said, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I can go home and, um, you know, because... What is because the worst? She terrified you. Well, what is the worst thing you can say to a brand new mother who is not okay? No. Saying they'll take your baby away and you'll never see her. Right.
0: <laughs> are
2: you kidding me? Rather than saying, we are going to take care of you yes. and we're going to get you the help no. that you yeah. need. Yep. And we're going to make was this a, okay. It was a punishment. And the way she worded it of, you know, if you keep acting like this. Yeah. It's not like it Leslie like said, plan. like you yeah. have a choice. And people this is four years ago okay it's not like this was decades in ago. the 60s I, exactly this mm-hmm. is four years ago oh my heavens so um i did end up going home and it was the worst thing i could have done it was an absolute nightmare um i had a panic attack for 21 days straight meaning i didn't sleep i just ran around um did you Like, did you talk to a doctor during that time? During that time, my husband took me to the emergency room two or three times. And every time they would, you know, I would tell him or my husband would say, this is what's going on. And this is, I'm not exaggerating. They would shoot me with a shot full of sedatives and send me home.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And has anyone at this point told you to go to counseling?
2: No. What? No one has. Um so it was really scary i had to be i had to have someone with me 24 7 and my husband had to go back to work yeah did your family know then oh yeah yeah so at this point everyone knows which i was mortified after when things had calmed down i was mortified at the time i didn't know what was going on um but yeah i had someone staying with me i remember at one point i m- sorry no one's giving you a diagnosis everyone's just
0: when you go into the hospital, they're just medicating you and sending you home. They're oh, not well, they
2: would say to my husband, she she has postpartum psychosis. So we're going to give her these sedatives and that should help. But there was no treatment plan. There was no, no way to help no.
0: you from preventing this from happening again.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. No. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Which has only, uh, because of what I went through, when I found out that you guys were doing this podcast, I was like, sign me up. Because if I can help anyone, uh, you know, whether it's self diagnosed or even just go to the doctor and get diagnosed and then get a plan. Yes. Because you can be diagnosed all you want unless you have a plan to help. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, what is it? So, um, yeah, so the panic attack lasted for 21 days and I didn't sleep, I didn't, I didn't eat. Um, and I had a lot of angels, not just my family, but neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, we had neighbors, friends and family bringing, bringing in meals for five weeks. Wow. Cause I was just, I, I nursed the baby, but it was basically someone holding the baby up to me to nurse. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I was not okay. Um, so yeah, that was. So what happened after the 21 days? How did you? So after the 21 days, um, I, I, I don't know. It, it still was really bad. I'm talking really, really bad. But I didn't need to be um, watched as closely. There were times where I was left alone or with my kids for a couple hours. But for the most part, people were there. And I would say people were with me for about six months after she was born and or checking in. calling me every hour, um, things like that. Uh, what compounded the problem is my baby. She, she was colicky acid reflux. She screamed Mm. for 18 months straight, Mm. literally (laughs) screamed and would sleep in 45 minute increments. And so I was getting no sleep. She was screaming Like, I've lost 20% hearing in my ear. (laughs) Like, she screamed, 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 screamed. Um, And what helped at 18 months, we got tubes in her ears. Okay. And that helped lessen the screaming. And that's when I noticed a significant change. She was able to sleep more, which meant I was able to sleep more. Um, My medication stayed the same. They, again, they said, you're nursing, so... But still no treatment plan in that 18 months for you? No. At 18 months was when I finally said, I need to go see someone. You know, not just my OB or whatever, but I needed to make an appointment um, with a psychologist, psychiatrist. um, And she helped a lot. What would you
1: say in those 21 days was the most powerful thought that just kept repeating itself. What would you say? Was it more
2: um, depression, suicide? What was like Well, I knew that everyone would be better off without me. I knew my husband would be better off. I knew my kids would be better off because during this whole time, my older three kids saw, heard horrible things. And to see your mom, and I, I couldn't control it. And so I just thought I'm messing everyone up. I had a plan that I was going to walk to Las Vegas. I, I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why I had this plan, but my husband would ask me because I'd say, you know, I'm going to run away, and he'd say, okay, well, where are you going to run away to? I'm going to run away to Las Vegas. Why are you going to go there? Because it's warmer there. That was the only thing I could think of because it was January, February, you know. Yeah. Well, it's warmer there, and in my mind, I thought I could walk there. Um, because I wasn't allowed to drive and that wasn't a dominating you know my husband didn't let me drive but it was for my own safety yeah, right? For sure. and so um, yeah in my mind I was going to walk to Las Vegas and just disappear um, I never wanted to hurt my baby but I didn't bond with her yeah and it's not that like when I would nurse her, I remember dry heaving as I would nurse her because I was just so sickened by everything and just to be touched. And like I said, I didn't want anything bad to happen to her, but I just felt nothing for her. Yeah. And that was so hard. And it was so sad because with my others, I, uh, I did have that bond and with her, and I would... I didn't want to say this to anyone. Like, not only was I not bonding with her, but she would make me throw up. Mm-hmm. Like, the thought of her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And how horrible is that? And then you've got that guilt. Um, I do remember... And I can't remember... Do you guys remember what year um, the whole... The Emily effect in... 2015. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that's when my baby was born, was 2015. And I remember when that came on the news and... Um, watching that story and uh, you know all the testimonials of the people and everything and the thought that I had was I wish that were me Mm. and that breaks my heart Um, but at that time that was my truth Yeah. as I remember thinking she got out like she she doesn't have to suffer anymore and she got out and just being jealous that that um, that um, it wasn't me, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Um, and it doesn't mean that I didn't feel so much pain for the family, her husband, her kids, any of that. Um, but that was scary, that that was my thought.
1: I think that's the worst part about postpartum is it's like a demon that possesses your brain. You yeah. just, there's thoughts and things that mm-hmm. are so dark mm-hmm. but they're your truth. Yeah. You feel so strong that... This is real. This is my truth. This is because you feel it. Mm -hmm. It's crazy.
0: Yeah.
2: So So you saw
1: a counselor. 18 months ish.
2: Yeah. So 2016 is Mm -hmm. when I started seeing a counselor. Um, Oakley was still screaming. Bless her heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was still hard. And then physically I had um, issues going on and, it's hard to know when i talk about postpartum it's hard to know where the line everything's so blurry and every there's so many things that have happened that have made the issue worse that it's hard to know oh your postpartum ended on march 28th and then you know but i ended up uh receiving counsel from numerous doctors that I should have a hysterectomy um, just because the postpartum was so, so psychosis was so bad. And the doctors just said, you know, it has gradually gotten worse with each pregnancy. Um, and there were physical, uh, ailments that were happening that we came to the conclusion that, um, a hysterectomy was what was best And that was hard in of itself yeah to be 32 and be faced with that decision um that was tough and mentally was still not doing super great and so to have to make that decision when you're already not feeling super great was even harder um so i had that hysterectomy then going back to i kind of mentioned that i had pressure issues when I was pregnant with Oakley. I had to have so uh had my hysterectomy in January of twenty seventeen and then in May of twenty seventeen I had complete colon reconstructive surgery. What? Um as if your body needs more yeah to go through. Yeah. So then was dealing with that. Um and all of those things were just very traumatic and just resurfaced this feeling of trapped. Um and uh, you know, PTSD type feelings for yes. sure. Um, and then this last October, so October of twenty eighteen, I had uh endometriosis growing, even though I've had a hysterectomy, so we had to get that all fixed and some other issues down in that region. Um, so anyway, three major surgeries after her. Um, not to mention just life, you know, four kids and just kinda living? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh even though Oakley's 4, it, it's hard to know just so much has happened mm-hmm. since she was born. To me personally, um with my health and just with decision making that yeah, it's it's been tough. It's been tough. Do you feel like you've bonded with her? Absolutely. Um that happened when she was probably 3 months old. Oh, really? Mhm. Yeah, wow. where I had calmed down enough to I wasn't <laughs> it sounds so awful to even say but I wasn't dry heaving when she was around yeah, me that's not awful that's yeah postpartum yeah that I you know I wanted I did love her um but yeah so wow. about three months old but, you know, before that, I remember asking my mom if she wanted to adopt her. <laughs> because I was like, I just don't care for this child. Yeah. And again, it's not that I wish her ill. But it's as if it was any child that you'd run into the, at the mall or the park. You mm-hmm. don't wish ill, but you, you're you good. You don't have any feelings for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So sure. what's
1: your, what are you doing now to treat?
2: Um, so right now... And for the last few years, I exercise six times a day.
0: A day? Excuse me,
2: six times a week. I was like, <laughs> "Get it, girl!" When you when you gave me that look, I was like, "Why is that so hard to believe?" <laughs> yes, yeah, six times a week. Six times a week. Six um, times a
1: week is still a lot for me. <laughs> awesome.
2: And it's not. I mean, it's not like I'm hiking a mountain. You know, six times a week, yeah. but um, I change it up. But I need at least thirty minutes a day of cardio whether that's running, whether that's speed walking, um, just enough to kind of get endorphins released in my brain. Um, because even though I've been on medication since I was 17, I'm never, I've never been the type of person that just put me on medicine, just fix it. Yeah. I am so willing to do my part. I don't want to feel like this. I've never wanted to feel like this. And so, you know, whether it's eating right or exercising, I'm in it to win it. Like, I've got the drive and motivation, um, so I know that uh, I, or er, what am I trying to say? I mentally need to know that I've done all that I can do. Yeah, you're
1: the most proactive person
2: I think I've ever known. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I don't> know <laughs> no, you really that, are. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then when that's not enough, I have the medication also. Mm-hmm. But I just, I feel better about myself knowing that I'm trying Yeah. as well. And when did you figure out the exercise was helpful? Um, my therapist told me that. And uh, she, she ordered me. Okay. She said, you know, this is not a suggestion. She said, I am telling you. You need to tell, you know, your mom, your husband, whoever it is. You need to take my kids for 30 minutes or our kids, if it was my husband. And I need to go do 30 minutes. And she said, you know, that's an order. You have to do that.
0: And did she tell you that right away around when your yes. daughter was about 18 months? Yes,
2: okay. right away she told me that. Um, I have been able to talk with uh, women, whether in my neighborhood or close friends, and that is something that I will tell them. You know, you don't even need to speed walk. You just need to do something for 30 minutes that gets your heart rate up. I said, that's number one. I'll go with you, mm-hmm. You know, whatever. That's um, your self-care time. That is my self-care time. It's time where I think about things think about life um yeah sweating it kind of it tires you out getting your heart rate up it's just it's something i need to do um to be able to feel good and on the days when i don't i can tell i don't feel good that day Mm. and so that's something huge that i that i do um as far as self-care and
0: And did your therapist recommend any change in medication
2: or? Yes. So at that point in time, she changed me to Lexapro, um, which I was super nervous about being that I was on Zoloft for goodness, 17 years, I was really nervous to start something. And the hard thing too about medication dealing with mental illness is it's not just so simple. It's not so simple. What works for someone doesn't work for another. It might make it worse, right? It might, you might feel better, but you gained 15 pounds and, and going through the fat. process of yeah. figuring that out is, and you awesome. can't just take something and the next day you're like, oh, okay, that doesn't work for me yeah. or that does. Takes you have to weeks. give it yeah. at least two weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, my doctor said they like to give it four to six Yeah. before. And so it's really hard. And then, like I said, you can talk to a bajillion women or men who say, oh, this is was awesome. But for you, your chemical makeup, it doesn't work well.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and so how it, did that work? It's a frustrating
2: you. process. Um, I liked Lexapro. I, I did well. It helped me kind of get out of a funk. And that is one thing that my uh, therapist said is sometimes your body gets accustomed or uh, is that the right word? Just gets used to a certain yeah. medication yeah. and it stops working. Yeah. And sometimes you have to switch it up for your brain to kind of go, oh, okay, we still need to work. hmm um, so yeah, that did, that did help. And, uh, I'm still using that medication. Oh, yeah. And so between the Lexapro and
0: the exercise, was there anything else that she recommended that worked for you? Or did you um, just start
2: seeing her regularly? Yeah, I saw her regularly. It was every couple weeks to begin with, cause I was not doing well. Um, and then it has been every six months or so. And, but the times where I've had, you know surgeries that have been pretty traumatic or you know situations like yeah. that she is awesome i have her cell phone number i don't abuse it but it's there i think yeah. i've called her in the 3 years that i've been working with her maybe twice on her cell when mm-hmm. it's been like it was necessary yeah, this is not okay right um and she was so willing to help um so having that support is nice um time as cliche as it sounds time does heal even though when you are in the depths of it every millisecond is hell yeah Mm -hmm. and so i hate i feel like that gives that it's so hard to tell someone who is suffering like you know try and give it time because i know what it feels like to have someone tell you that where you're like no you don't understand Mm -hmm. well and you did say that earlier where i i said
0: you've just got to make it through the day and you said you've just got to make it through that second yeah
2: it's so true when yeah. you're in
0: that state time is dragging on mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. feels like it's going backwards
2: hell like yeah, you said yeah. it's hell yeah um and you know i i am so much better obviously than what i was uh after my fourth but i don't know what 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 do you want to call it ptsd triggers whatever it is it's and again as i mentioned having three major surgeries yeah and it's it's been a lot yeah. it's been a lot i am generally a very happy positive person and there are more days than i'd like to admit that life gets to me and it's yeah. it's hard so it's definitely an ongoing battle yeah. so that's why i say it's you know where does postpartum end and where does just PTSD exactly yeah exactly where does that start where does that end or is it still I mean is it still postpartum even though she's four I don't know I and believe we're, so. we're still learning I mean there's been so much just the care I've, I've had siblings who have given birth and just the way they're treated and um talked to you know here's some numbers that you can call we're going to call you tomorrow to make sure. That was never done. That was not done for me. And not only was it not done, and I, I harbor no ill will to anyone who, my nurses or anything, um, but it just goes to show how far we've come. But I was not handled the way no. it should have been.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the Emily Effect really has opened it has. a lot of eyes. It's
2: opened a lot of eyes, yeah. and it's made people talk. And Leslie, I, I believe in your, um, when you were telling your story, you said that you started opening up to more people and it's not that i'm ashamed of things i've gone through i haven't been super open i've made uh, little remarks here and there or i'll share things to kind of but i'm not i haven't been super open mm-hmm. uh with that being said i'm very open to discussing it um just more maybe in a more intimate setting yeah um where i can kind of really get a feel for people and it's not just social media hey yes. look at what I've done you right. know yeah or look at what I've gone through and yep. um, just because it has been so painful and it's refined me and made me grow that I hold my experience pretty sacred yeah and we it's should. not yeah it's yeah. not that I'm not willing to share and help with others but I just
1: there's a time and a place. I think there's a yeah. discernment with, yeah, like with my real story, like my full-on story. Yeah. Like I'm careful. Mm-hmm. Other than putting it on a podcast, but, right? But, but like when you, I pay attention to new moms, and I can tell I the do, women yep. I get to share my story with, mm-hmm. and it's. I don't know. I think I think that's beautiful. I think it's yeah. good that you have that. Yeah,
2: and I in recently I have felt like, you know, maybe I could be a little bit more open maybe there is someone who needs to hear that or maybe just needs to listen and go oh my goodness there's at least one other person who kind of knows how i'm feeling
1: well and i didn't even know like i hadn't been fully open with a lot of people that i had had postpartum that day when i met you at the Mm -hmm. target parking lot yes because um, oh, our was we screaming our babies, and yeah. you gave me colic medicine <laughs> yeah yeah and I remember you opened up to me about your experience with postpartum and I've always connected like ever since that day I was yep. like I have her yeah so I like even though we I never probably even really opened up to you that much about it yeah I knew that I had you
2: yeah and I mean you had you had said in the Target parking lot like oh I've been suffering too but until I listened to your uh, story I didn't realize you know entirely yeah what you had gone through um but it's real folks and there's power
1: in just knowing someone that's experienced it so you feel a little less and I remember
2: um the best advice I was given so it was at a time um it was during that 21 day period and I was sitting in my recliner at my home and I was just screaming and shaking and I had a really dear friend Uh, who just happened to come over and I was screaming at the top of my lungs why is this happening to me and she is the most soft-spoken kind and gentle woman ever and she pinned me by my shoulders into the chair so that I would you know because I was shaking and um, she shouted at me it's so you can help other people Mm. and even though I don't remember much from those first few months, um, I do remember that because it, it really shook me the fact that this celestial woman who is just (laughs) so amazing and so soft-spoken and sweet and her frame. I mean, she's just this teeny tiny woman, (laughs) the fact that she was able to, and you know, I'm ten, just pin me in my chair and just kind of shout at me, you know, it's so you can help other people. And. I remember thinking at the time, like, I don't want to help other people. <laughs> <laughs> Release me from it. <laughs> I want someone to help <laughs> me. I know. <laughs> um, but if there's one thing that I can take away from it is if I did have to go through that, which I did, it would be in vain unless I could do my part in helping others. Yeah. So.
1: So if you could go back to your worst day of postpartum mm-hmm. and tell yourself one thing, other than what that sweet lady told you. Yeah. What would you tell yourself?
2: Oh, gosh. I just was so not in my right mind. Um, breathe. Because that's what... I wasn't breathing. Mhm. So I would just tell myself to breathe.
1: I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. Anything else you want to share?
2: Um, just talk open up talk to your friends talk to the mom that's at the park that you'll never see again and so maybe you won't feel as judged open up to someone um it's okay to hate the newborn stage (laughs) (laughs) i always felt so guilty like oh i'm in i'm on cloud nine this is wonderful and gosh the newborn stage is hard it is hard um so just talk And just open up and there are people who you know feel your pain and can relate and it's just it's so important to open yourself up and be vulnerable so that you can receive the help that you need
1: Mm -hmm.
2: i love that thank you so much yeah thank you thanks for having me
1: thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us Please email us at risingphoenixpodcast
0: at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org.
1: We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.